Hi, I'm Dr. Patty Ferris. I'm a board-certified dermatologist, and I'm your host for this episode of Skincare Confidential. We are so excited today to have Dr. Jim Del Rosso with us. Jim's a board-certified dermatologist. He's definitely one of the most well-known and well-respected authorities on dermatologic therapeutics, and he has lectured and published extensively on the subject of moisturizers and barrier repair, which is what this episode is going to be about. But before we start, I want to tell everybody a little bit about Jim and his accomplishments. Jim is Research Director of JDR Dermatology in Las Vegas. He's the Senior Vice President and clinical of Clinical Research and Strategic Development at Advanced Dermatology and Cutaneous Surgery in Maitland, Florida. He's been in practice for 36 years. Jim, I think you and I are neck and neck on that one. He's a past board member of the American Academy of Dermatology. We served on the board together and had great fun. And he's one of the original co-directors of the fall and winter clinical dermatology meetings, which many dermatologists attend in their very valued meetings. Now, what most people may not know about Jim Del Rosso is that he probably could have taken the role of Elvis Presley away from Austin Butler, who I think is up for an Academy Award this year. Jim Del Rosso is an amazing guitar player, a fine singer, and I've heard him imitate Elvis, and believe me, Austin Butler's got nothing on Jim D. So, Jimmy D., welcome to Skincare Confidential. Well, Patty, that's very nice. But Austin, ha- what he has on me is he has looks, he's thinner, <laughs> and he, he could move a heck of a lot better than I can. You know? but I guys, don't know. I don't know. I'm not Maybe. sure I buy that, but that's okay. That's your story and you're sticking to it. Yep, sounds Anyway, good. Jim, we're really excited to tap into your expertise on this subject of moisturizers and barrier repair and this is a very hot topic right now you turn on tv and people are talking about ceramides and moisturizers and you can't go on social media without seeing you know derms everywhere talking about this subject so why don't we sort of start basic with the anatomy of a moisturizer how does it work how does it benefit the skin well i think one of the things that's important to recognize and just uh, you know quickly but i i got into this probably in the you know, probably about 2002, 2003, when I, I was already in my career for quite a while. And I was invited actually by Jim Layden uh, to a meeting. And I didn't know exactly what it was going to be about, but I got to know him. He said, Jim, you're going to love this. And I went to a meeting. It happened to be with Unilever, but it wasn't really about product develop, about products. It was all about the stratum corneum and the epidermis, physiology, and then how does it retain moisture and barrier functions. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening to these stratum corneologists, you know, these people that are really getting into the weeds on this, thinking, here I am, I'm years out. I think I'm pretty well accomplished in dermatology, pretty knowledgeable. And I didn't know squat about the basics, the fundamentals of how it all works. So I got into it, started writing some articles. uh, And and there's an article in 2011 I'll just bring to people's attention that still has all the basic fundamentals where I took everything together and put it in – try to put it in one place and i really think what you say about going to the back to the fundamentals and it's it's open access it's it's in jcad look under my name and the second author is levin l-e-v-i-n and you'll find it you could print it if if it's of interest it gets into actually what the basics are and with a moisturizer i think one of the first things 
is that moisturizers are not formulated to add water. They're formulated to retain water, a moisture level in the stratum corneum in the epidermis to help the skin, which has its own ways of doing that, but sometimes it's compromised, right? It gets compromised either by external environment or by by a disease state or both. Like a topic dermatitis is the poster disease, but it's not the only one by far. So I think it's really important. And the formulations have some core fundamental characteristics, but then we start adding in all these designer additives and things that, you know, sometimes they make a difference and sometimes we're wondering what they're really doing, right? And and you've done a lot with that on the cosmeceutical side, especially. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So maybe uh, teasing out uh, the humectants and, you know, the uh, different components that people might be looking for. I think that would be very helpful. Well, you know, it... I could design a study, and this is where it gets tricky because I, I think dermatology clinicians, they're getting much more facile and what is IL-17 doing and now Janus kinase enzymes or interleukin-4, or, you know, all, we're getting into the weeds of all this pathophysiology of disease, but it, it when you look at a moisturizer study, you're sort of lost because you never really got that training, right? I, I could design a moisturizer study to look for something that I want a certain outcome that can in some ways be misleading because I can show you that something that's truly protectant may be giving the best result in terms of reducing transepidermal water loss over and above another moisturizer, which is formulated to do other things, but it's just not reaching that target within a certain period of time, right? So, right. so I can design studies to to pre-design the outcome, pre-figure out the outcome, and that can be somewhat misleading. I, I think with moisturizers, first of all, we, we want something that's occlusive in there, and petrolatum, obviously, Correct. white petrolatum is the standard. It just sits on the surface and it basically blocks the transepidermal water loss. It's a physical block. Right. Right. But there are are several other agents that we add in. There are some fractionated petrolatum that are mixed in with other things like lanolin alcohol and other things with with light mineral oil, uh, which which pharmaceutical grade mineral oil, not industrial grade. That's the one that you're going to see is comedogenic or whatever. Or some other you know, emollient, uh, protective emollient type agents that can prevent that transepidermal water loss. But that alone is not going to be enough. You need humectancy, right? You need something. That's what I was just going to ask you. A lot of people, w- I think, get confused about humectants because humectants are really bringing moisture from the dermis up, right, to into the stratum corneum. Right. So if, if you think about, you have, I'm sure you, you've had this. We've all had this countless time. I'm drinking more water because my skin is dry. <laughs> well, if, if it's getting evaporated out, it's, you what know. What good is it? it? It's, it's, what good is it? So the skin has a certain amount of physiologic transepidermal water loss, which is normal. And when that increases, that's what that's when it gets into trouble. So it really detects that transepidermal water loss very effectively. But if you're bringing wo- moisture up, from the subcutaneous tissue into the dermis, now into the epidermis, you need a certain level. There's actually a gradient 
in the stratum corneum, but you need a certain water level so that the enzymes, they're hydrolytic enzymes, right? So they need a critical right. amount of water to get desquamation. And we want to desquamate single cells so nobody's seeing us. But when, when, <laughs> when, they, when, when they get, when they get, yeah, you don't, you don't want to be sitting there, you know, in a romantic date, <laughs> and, you know, and, and the person's going, what the, I'm watching this person <laughs> desquamating. Are you yeah. multi? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What the heck is going on, right? Um, you know, that you, the person might make you sweat, but you don't want them to make you desquamate, <laughs> right? So, so, you know, if, you want to do it physiologically, and when you lose that water level, those enzymes get sluggish, and now right. the corneocytes clump, and that's what we see is scaling, right? Right. In dry skin, the scaling is one of the first things that we see. So the humectant, things that we add like hyaluronic acid, right. glycerin, other agents that are humectants, propylene glycol in low concentrations, and some other agents that can be added in. And propylene glycol is, it, it keeps rearing its head as a bad word, right? That we, that keeps coming oh, up. Oh, yeah. But it's used. It's used in low concentration. Of course it is. Of course right. it is. So it, it retains water in the stratum corneum. The stratum corneum. Right? Which is where you want it to stay. And on top and holds it in, stops the transepidermal water loss. So those so two things. it's the yin and yang between right. those two. Exactly. Is the way I think of it. Exactly. And if you only use the humectant, and you didn't have the occlusive, the occlusive. it's not enough because you're right. po- you know you, you need you need the fundamental combination of both those things but sometimes we'll look at formulations and we'll say well, you know why does it have a few different humectants because some of these things are now going to be concentration dependent right you say oh right. i got a great humectant i'm going to load it with glycerin or glycerol it's going to get too sticky when the concentration, right. so now right. the, for, the really good formulators who are just like my grandmother could never tell me how she made her spaghetti sauce. The formulators, right. they could, they don't want to tell you. They, <laughs> they keep a little bit back on their secret. It's like Luke's gumbo formula. They make it nice, not sticky, and they put those emollients in there to give it the nice slip on the skin, and that's sort of the... Icing on top of the cake, right. in my opinion. Yeah, it gives it, but it's just the right amount. Um, right. And so they'll add in other, 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 other. other. Uh, so you have a couple of players in there doing the same thing because when they're together in lower concentrations, they get the job done. They support right. each other, but the formulation you don't have a contact dermatitis level of an right. ingredient or an irritation level or a stickiness or greasiness of yeah, some of it these. It gives that cosmetic elegance when yeah, they you, use it you, together. We, that is, the final outcome has to be the person's going to like the way it feels on their skin. And, Absolutely. And if it has a bad smell, forget it. It's gone. Yeah, forget about it. For right. Talk about some of the buzzwords, Jim. I mean, let's talk about ceramides. You can't turn TV on can't turn on social media without people touting ceramides. What are those doing moisturizers? Well, ceramides became a very important buzzword, but a realistic one because, you know, within that stratum corneum, you have the the corneocytes, the keratinocytes, and the corneocytes, which are the bricks. They talk about them as the bricks, but the mortar in between is the lipids that are organized. It's an organized layer of lipids. But I remember Matt Zyrus at a meeting one time, and he was exactly right. He said, it's not bricks and mortar. It's like bricks and peanut butter or, or you know, it's 
it's not fixed like yeah like a block like you think of bricks and mortar right, right so you think it might be peanut butter or, or something in there that but it's still controlling the water loss there but ceramide's a significant component of that lipid layer now they have to be the right you know chain length of ceramides they have they're they're formed physiologically and in conditions that like atopic dermatitis they cannot form the correct ceramides they have a deficiency in the physiologic ceramides right they produce right. ceramides but they're the wrong chain lengths they're just not functioning as well in addition to other problems so that's why the atopic individual even when their skin looks normal it's losing more water that's one right. of it because they don't. So then ceramides became really popular. And that's where we got most of our data. Suddenly, people were studying atopic dermatitis. They're looking at everything that we're talking about. And atopic dermatitis became the the poster, the poster the condition. The poster child really for, for, for barrier disease for, yeah. But ceramides, they're not the only thing. You need fatty acids, cholesterols. You need other components in there. We we pay attention now to things that kind of maintain the natural diversity of the, of the microbiome. microbiome. People are getting into these other areas. But functionally, ceram ceramides are not, I don't think, are ever going to hurt. There are conditions where you need them more, um, and they're not the only thing that you need. But you're, re right. you're repleting the ceramides so that when the, when the skin is compromised, you know, it, it, it has to help itself. Like you're flying from New Orleans, you get off the plane in Las Vegas. Within an hour, you could feel your skin getting dry and your nose cracking, Absolutely. right? And then you live, in, you, you live in New Orleans where you have a lot of humidity, humidity. and moisture. So your, yeah. en your enzymes that would normally correct, right? are kind of sluggish. They're kind of sitting back. They're, <laughs> they're having gumbo. They're sleeping. They're going to Pat O'Brien's. They're like, wait, we have to work? We have to start working? And That's right. All, right. But uh -oh. so they get a little sluggish. <laughs> but in some people, like atopics, they're, they're not as functional normal. They're sluggish right? all the time, unfortunately. So, so there is filagrin. You know, that's why we, we have... You talk about another additive, filagrin degradation products like certain amino acids and... and right. Uh, PCA and some other PCA, component yeah. that we put in there to help because filagrin is in the stratum corneum partially that when you need to retain water, filagrin breaks down into natural moisturizing factor, right? right. And so and companies works. make moisturizers to say, we have components and natural moisturizing factor because that's your body's natural eumectin. It breaks down right. the filagrin into several right. different things, mostly amino acids, some sugars, other right. things, electrolytes, to be the natural eumectin, right? Mm -hmm. So now you're looking at additives in moisture. Oh, so we have, you know, a certain component in here, um, and we have ceramides. Well, you'll see the term, right. this, throws, this term throws people off, pseudoceramides. Pseudoceramide. It sounds like biosimilars, right? <laughs> yeah, like, bioidentical. Okay. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want the Hydrox cookies. I want the real Oreo cookies, right? But, <laughs> but you know, but the 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 fact of the matter is, pseudoceramides. That just means that they made a synthetic synthetic ceramide that functions like pretty much the same as a natural ceramide. Now people debate. They split hairs, but pseudoceramides, you know, function very well in moisturizers. They're just trying to replicate as much of the natural physiology 
that they can. As they can, right? yeah. Right. Talk, talk a little bit about another thing we hear is kind of a buzzword, thermal spring water. You know, we'll be going through the exhibit hall at the AAD, and there's all the companies that have thermal spring water. And I think a lot of people wonder what the value of those are. Well, you know, you, you go there and, you know, depending on who you, who, where you are, you might have somebody dressed up with a white, in a white coat or whatever, and they're giving you now the scientific discussion. So we talked about ceramides can be in a lot of different formulations. It's a good thing to have if you yeah. have a situation like atopy. You can also have ceramides deficient or affected in severe dry skin, um, in in other disease states, so they're not a bad thing to have in there, but they're not the only f- fix it. Thing. Okay. So we want to put some we want to put some other things in there. It's nice, I think, to have antioxidants, ones that right. really do something. We're learning about the importance of that for many many reasons, right? Um, there, there was just a great article. It happened to be with um, with polypodium leucotomus extract, the one that actually has a lot of the data on it, affecting benzopyrenes in air pollution. So it's not yeah. only sun. It's not Agreed. only using rough soaps and things, you know, bad, yeah. bad skincare products or cleansers, but also the pollutants we're finding more and more and the damage they're creating. So we want to neutralize those things. So I am going to, and I know you've been talking about antioxidants a lot longer than I have, because I was always concerned that they're in there, but they're not telling us whether they're even getting into the skin or doing anything. Right. But now we have some that. that, I think we have some good data to suggest that they are helpful. And I'm glad you brought up pollution because that whole notion of the exposome, it's not just UV light anymore. Right. We've got pollution. We've got other things that we have to consider. Environmental aggressors. Visible light, which, which good antioxidants protecting for darker skin. Absolutely. And infrared. Yeah. So yeah. Infrared, you know, that, that's that with with we'll be we could go on and on with for this forever but you know going back to what you're saying about thermal spring water yeah this this term microbiome is a buzz phrase and and everybody jumps on the train right and and i believe there's definitely reality there but i think we're still learning a lot more about it uh and we we need to learn a lot more about it because it's extremely important but uh a simple example that we know of is people that have atopic skin, and then they're developing a flare of atopic dermatitis. And I think it's even true if people are just going from, quote, normal to dry, and they're getting barrier impairment. The colonization of the skin changes, and especially in atopics, because they're right. deficient in their antimicrobial barrier. The barrier is right. not only water. The barrier, there's several different parts of the of the epidermal barrier. There's an antimicrobial barrier. We have peptides that, so if you get staph getting into a little cut or a virus, they neutralize. So they give you that immediate innate immunity. So we know that in in certain conditions and certainly the atopic dermatitis, the microbiome on, on the skin surface changes and you get a lot more staphylococci, aureus and epidermidus, right? And then right. all the other organisms diminish in number. So the commensal competition, what makes it hard for a pathogen, you can you can culture my skin and find something that, oh, wow, that shouldn't be there. That doesn't mean I'm um, infected. infected. That just means no. you found it there. Right. But you have all these other organisms that are taking up space. And sure. that 
That, taking up food, taking right. up space, taking right. up everything it needs to be a pathogen. Exa exactly. So that pathogen right. comes into the neighborhood and there's enough other people in the neighborhood say, get the heck out of here. You're not going to take <laughs> over. Right. Yeah. But then if you have a situation where that changes and that pathogens put into a situation where it could bully its way into the skin. Right. Right. Um, and that is correlated with other things that happen that are tied to a flare. So the diversity of the, the quote, normal microbiome, whatever range that might be, is extremely important. So what they found with thermal spring water um, in France, in, a, in an area of France, is that within that water, there were certain concentrations of certain minerals and other components of that water, but it also had a certain microbial um, a content component, that to it. A component to it that yeah. when that would be applied to the skin, helped to normalize individuals that had trouble maintaining enough diversity so they didn't have that pathologic state uh, change, right. you know, that we're talking about. So, you know, the company there, La Roche-Posay is the company, uh -huh. they harvested a way to basically recreate that environment within some of their their moisturizer Moisturizers. products, which yeah. is not only not only the, the water itself, but also the prebiotic component where they mm -hmm. can, there's a certain prebiotic component that helps support the diverse microbiome you want and not allow, you know, the, the trouble kids to come into town and influence the neighborhood, so to speak. Right. So they did a very nice job with that and they have good data on it. And that's the I thing agree. that I would ask, Patty. I don't know how you do it, but there's so many products. I It's hard to tell. And I look for at least some core scientific information from a company. That's what, that's exactly why right. we're here. And, and you're giving, right. you're giving us exactly what we're looking for. You know, I, I've looked at the La Roche-Posay studies as well, and even had the opportunity to go there and see the patients treated with the thermal spring water. I don't know if you've made that trip over the years, but it's quite an experience because the patients with psoriasis and eczema who are getting nothing but balneotherapy. And it's pretty impressive. It is. And, and you know, so you just brought up whether I'm going to go there. We're looking at Miracle on Ice behind me here. Um, I'm hoping for a miracle where maybe I'll get invited <laughs> one day and I'll get to go. But, you know, maybe I'll just go on my own. I'll just. I'm going to put a plug in for you, Jim. Right, thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, there, put a plug in. You know, not, you know to, to recognize that there are certain companies and there are others. And if I didn't mention somebody, oh, you yeah. know, I apologize. But there are certain companies that have spent the time when they've come up with products to talk Agreed. to us why they have. In Galderma has done it with some of their therapeutic moisturizers for acne. Um, Absolutely. You know, Byersdorf has done it. I think you got to credit SkinCeuticals on antioxidants. SkinCeuticals on antioxidants. Yeah. You know, exactly. Done a ton um, of work. You know, the people that worked on, on CeraVe, which was really, yeah. I mean, I mean, Cetaphil was the big player, right? And and it's right. still a very good line, but CeraVe really worked hard on that. It. And we were there in the beginning and we worked were. with it and developed it. And they have data behind the product. So mm -hmm. ask for the data. When the reps come in, ask them to look at it and try to become, if this is not your area, it's hard like any other new area, but it's worthwhile to just be able to ask and think about a few questions. You'll feel better. 
when you're recommending something to a patient that you feel you understand why, not just that I know I have to give a patient a moisturizer like I did early in my career. I'd pick a few, think how it felt. on. It seems okay. Ask my yeah, nurse, how just, does it feel on you? But not really know what if there were any fundamental um, things that it was doing where there was some scientific evidence. Now when I recommend these products, I feel good about it. Just like I feel good about recommending a medication, a prescription medication, because I understand what it's doing. So it just right. helps you feel better. And, and you know, moisturizers too. are the bread and butter of dermatology. I mean, we are using moisturizers in all patients, whether they're cosmetic patients, medical patients, surgical patients. So I think it's really important for people to understand. I want to, of course, you know, we've been jabbering like we always that. do. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I feel sorry for the people listening to some extent. But you know, <laughs> exactly. I guess if they're, if they're still listening, they like what they're hearing. But you, you bring up a very important point. I have to credit the, the person who trained me, the main trainer, Dave Horowitz. He told me way back when, and we didn't have nearly the sophistication that that we have now he would say to me do not let a patient leave regardless without you giving them something to wash everybody wants to know what to wash with what to cleanse with give them a recommendation you're the dermatologist well yeah. if they can't depend on it from you who else should they go to? And that stuck with me and has expanded into what we're talking about now. So yeah. I think it's that fundamental. Was great advice. Well, somebody else is going to do it, great. and they're going to give them something we didn't want that patient to use. Absolutely. Right? You know, it's 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 100%. And a lot of dermatologists, I think, are so busy taking care of sick people that they sometimes don't give the patients the time it takes. And it does take some time for you to go through a skincare regimen. Right. There's no doubt it takes time. And, you know, you can have extenders help you with things like that too. But I've always kept that near and dear to me because I, as you know, I'm such an enthusiast for topical skincare. And I love to just tell the patients everything that I know about them and you know, I know you do too. You've got so and much it, experience. It, and if all you do is say, I'm going to have my nurse or I'm going to have an esthetician come in and you say nothing about it, it loses the sense that it's really important to you as the clinician that they do it, right? right. So I, I do go through fundamental, you know, the fundamentals like you do and tell them why, why I, I want you to use this exact product and hopefully have something that shows the name of it so they mm -hmm. don't get lost with a recommendation somewhere else. You know, yeah. Uh, with who that have they see it in a pharmacy, a skincare aisle, or a store, or whatever. And then, yeah. but I have to be on the same page with my staff. But I have a question for you, right? Sure. I know you don't mind. You know, give give Absolutely. Patty a chance to get on stage. She's gonna rock. She's gonna <laughs> rock. So you know, when you, you know have me, I'm always on stage. You're always on stage. Um, so when when you have like let's say an esthetician. I think a lot of clinicians have an esthetician, but oh, yeah. I think they very likely have a disconnect that they don't even know what their estheticians are recommending. And if their esthetician is on the same page with what they think that person needs, maybe because they have rosacea or they have a fundamental skin problem, right? And so that within the office, the recommendations are in harmony with each other, not just right. an esthetician down the hall that's now selling their line. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? So how do you yeah. do that? Well, it's very hard when you have somebody and you delegate it. Personally, I always have kept control of skincare recommendations because I'm such an enthusiast of it. But I do have friends who have estheticians and they use them very successfully uh, 
for skincare recommendation and, you know, dispensing and keeping products in the hands of the patients. But that requires the clinician to spend the time to educate that person to the level that you and I are talking about. You know, you can't just say, you know, I'm going to give you this line and you're going to sell this line. It just doesn't work that way. Right. So and, it and becomes another thing the clinician has to be responsible for. So, and that is training staff. Right. And just just the same way that you would tell a patient, I want you to use this particular medication, right? And it may be branded and I want us to try to get the branded if we can. I understand right. prices. If it's oh, yeah. if it's gonna fall back on you, let us know. I understand costs for anybody. But when you tell them specifically this is the cleanser I want you to utilize. This is the moisturizer. This is how you integrate it with your other products, step by step. And you're telling them that specific brand and you're looking them in the eye. That's going to carry a lot of weight with the vast majority of our patients. It's coming oh, yeah. from you. Doc, I went to see Dr. Farris. I didn't yeah. just go see XYZ no. person in the they, office. They, you're the expert. They're looking for your advice. I couldn't agree more. Yep. We have a short amount of time, but I want to ask you a couple of just like one hitters, one liners. Right, sure. Difference. Do, pay, some things patients ask us all the time. Do you need a different moisturizer for your face than you need on your body? That's a common question we get. Not necessarily, but I also sense that there are some people that w would be somewhat taken aback when you don't give them that recommendation. <laughs> exactly. They don't mind Women having want a face moisturizer. I'm going to put that out their, there. And there's a reason why. Eye cream. That's my next question. Eye creams yeah. could have the same formulation, but they have different concentrations because of different sensitivities on the eyelid. So, so I do kind of hand select, but there, there are certainly moisturizers that can be used on the face and the body and even the eyelids. You know, there's some, some of the basic ones, you know, yeah. simple cerebral cream, just basic moisturizers. CeraVe moisturizing lotion Correct. or cream and, and several Correct. others. Tol yeah. Tolarian is a great formulation. There it are several, nice one. several ones, right? Yeah. Another question I think we get asked a lot is about layering products. Like where's the moisturizer fit in? If you're going to put a serum on, then you're going to put, you got to have a sunscreen on during the day. You know, I, I'm always been sort of of the mindset of simple is better, less layering. I don't like to have right. to put too many things on. Right. So how do you sort of manage that in the practice? So, if, uh, you know, if if I know that this formulation is a very good moisturizer with with good good sun protectants sun that protection. I that I want it to have, I'll certainly that's easier for them to utilize it. One you know, step. Just just one today. People might ask, well that, you know, Am I going to use that at night? They don't necessarily need the the sunscreen when it's dark when it when it's dark out, right? But you know, if <laughs> no. it's going to be easier for them to get one product, they can do it at night. But they're going sure. to go through it faster. So yeah. economically, it still may be better to have you know one for the day, one for the night, so they're not wasting the. Well, sunscreen it's nice because a lot of lines do have the AM PM versions, right. which is makes it really nice. Same formulation, right. one with sunscreen and one right. without. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, look, we're going to wrap it because we've taken up so much of your time. But Jim, I'm so grateful for your expertise. I've learned so much from you over the years. You're one of my buddies. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Hopefully at another New Orleans Jazz Fest. If we, you know, that, that's it, that's another story. We could do a, a we're podcast We're so overdue that. for that. We <laughs> may just do a whole podcast on yeah, that. Yeah, that's good. So, Patty, All right, take I, care. Feel like, I feel like we just got started. You got me revved up for the day. Thank you so much. I hope gave some good general uh, insights 
to your listeners and congratulations on uh, you, you and Ted on this podcast. And um, it, I'm happy to see you having so much success. Well, we appreciate your contributions, of course, to the meeting as well as here. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great day.